Welcome to the Advice and Insights Podcast with David L. Bonson. Hello and welcome to this week's Advice and Insights Podcast. This is David Bonson, the Chief Investment Officer, Managing Partner of the Bonson Group. And I want to talk to you today about literally one of the most thrilling topics I ever speak about. I do not know how many of you will agree it's thrilling. I do not know how many people out there would, uh, would if they were surveyed, would say, God, yeah, this is really fascinating stuff. But I am being serious on my end that I find the topic of trade deficits and the overall relevance of trade conversation to the economic picture to be very important. Now, it is particularly timely because the number one thing that has impacted markets and elevated market volatility and become a big uh, conversation piece in the political dynamic in the last two months or so has been trade. And the biggest apologetic offered, the case made, the defense for intervening in global trade with a more protectionist, uh, American protectionist tone and policy is the um, the trade deficits that America has uh, being such a major problem for American interest. Trade deficits are thrown out as this uh, highly problematic issue, and therefore some policy prescription is necessary. And of course, some policy prescription in this case has meant thus far in the conversation, either tariffs or the threat of tariffs. So I want to just give you today, it will be a shorter Advice and Insights podcast than normal. Um, I want to reference an article I wrote for our own marketepicurean.com website, where we like to house a lot of our deeper dive, more complicated investment writing um, that I wrote this week to clarify some things about trade deficit. And there's a lot of charts there, but essentially... There, there are real. It's very important. Okay, to get de- definitions right. Okay, so what is a trade deficit? Let's start there. That's pretty easy. It's nothing more than the difference between what a country exports and what a country imports. So, if the United States uh, was exporting out to other countries more products than we were bringing in or importing, we would have what's called a trade surplus. Um, in our case, we do run trade deficits in the country, um, and that trade deficit is measured on a country-by-country basis. And as I'm going to make clear later, a not insignificant distinction needs to be made or clarification needs to be made that when we say our trade deficit with China is such and such, by the way, the Trump administration has repeatedly referenced it being over $500 billion. There isn't a single study I can find, anyone's data, left, right, conservative, it doesn't matter, that has the trade deficit with China at more than $350 billion. And and really, um, you have to factor in services and goods, and and we uh, export more services to China than we import from them even though we obviously import in a lot more goods than we export. But overall, when all said and done, um, the, the number of the real trade deficit is far lower than has been bantered about. But regardless of that, the trade deficit re- re- refers to the fact that we 
uh, export less than we import. And, and it is not the United States buying from China, like Trump calls the president of China and says, we want to order this and we're going to ship you that. It is the sum of parts of what our companies are doing with their companies. And so when I say that countries do not trade with countries, companies and people trade with companies and people, it is very technically accurate, but it's also very significantly and substantively important. And I'll get to why that is a bit later. But the trade deficit measures the aggregate of individual company trade. I would, uh, I guess, not need to point out, I hope, that all of our companies that are trading are doing so voluntarily. They're not, like, forced to do it. But I, I don't know. Maybe I do need to say that. Okay, moving on. You get what's called a current account deficit, which is basically the same as the trade deficit, but it encompasses a couple other components. Um, you know, plus or minus, there's some net income that can be involved in the financials foreign aid may be at play. So the current account deficit is just a little more holistic measurement around the trade deficit. So when you look at the percentage of our current account as a percentage of GDP, you will see that it's basically been about flat since the financial crisis. It's kind of moved up a little, one point moved down a little and sort of stayed flat line. So it isn't like we're facing something here in the last year or two, three, all of a sudden this big problem has surfaced. We've been in a very level place for quite some time. And that level place happens to be kind of in the middle ground of where it's really been with, uh, uh, on a median basis for, oh, 30, 40 years, uh, to be precise, close to 40 years. So what are the periods where the current account deficit or the trade deficit jumps way um, down, meaning that uh, as a percentage of GDP, it's going higher, our current account. Well, guess what? It's during the financial crisis. It's, du it's during the recession of 2002. It's during the recession of 1991, which is in fact the last time we basically had a sort of miniature trade surplus. So, you know, it goes without saying that if in and of itself it were true that trade deficits and current account deficits were these horrible things, why do they improve during the worst possible period? Well, the reason is rather obvious. It's because of the fact that us being in recession means that we're uh, producing less. And so you have overall uh, uh, economic activity on the downswing. And then it is creating a different dynamic between our exports and imports. Um, and, and I would probably not need to point out that most people don't want to see a trade surplus just by generating recession. And yet a recession is exactly what would generate one. So if you were just following current rhetoric, you would think um, a very different story. You would think trade surplus is good, trade deficit is bad. But that historical correlation is not just inaccurate, it is the opposite of accurate. Um, I would say that it's not because trade deficits are actually a good thing either. I would say that in and of themselves, they're neither good nor bad. It, 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 you, you, you cannot determine a good or bad connotation without more information. The mere existence of a trade deficit or a trade surplus depends on reasons. 
So if you have a trade surplus because we have an inability to pay for imports because we have less money, well, that's a bad thing. And that's what generally happens during recessionary periods. If you have a trade deficit because we have a high demand for globally diverse products and services, that can be a very healthy thing. Um, if you have a defining criteria for economic health in the context of discussing trade deficits that doesn't include inflation, you don't have a good criteria. doesn't include monetary policy, forex, meaning the foreign exchange of currency, um, un, uh, discussion around the specialization and labor markets. All of these things are sort of necessary in the discussion of what is healthy and unhealthy when talking about trade and trade surpluses, trade deficits. Really, if we're being honest, an inadequate savings rate is the most frequent cause of a trade deficit. And our macroeconomic picture would be far better if we were addressing inadequate savings and inadequate investment uh, domestically than, than by trying to decrease imports into our country. Essentially, driving a tariff agenda based on fear of trade deficits is to drive a known negative to offset an unknown or undefined risk. So what is at stake here? Well, if you look at some of the tariffs already on the table, the steel, the, the um, China out of the, the 301, the retaliation, there's a second round announced out of that. Um, we're talking about a total of $81.5 billion that's on the table right now, and of course they're threatening a whole lot more. Well, look, the corporate tax reform savings for the year are $200 billion. Okay, so we're talking about something that represents over 40% of the benefit of corporate tax reform. It's a not insignificant amount of money. And, and, and this is at a time where our capital goods orders have finally started to pick up. Manufacturers, and this is not counting defense spending, it's not counting aircraft, just generic manufacturing of more capital goods is on the rise in the last year or so. And anything that would stifle that enhancement to the economy, I think, is very risky. We also have data and charts that are showing significant capital expenditure spending plans from companies, but the actual capital expenditures themselves are, have not caught up to that level. Plans can change. Plans can be redrawn. Plans can be undone. So to take what could end up becoming actual CapEx and, and make it, um, you know, failed CapEx or unrealized CapEx because of fears around trade and tariff strikes us as very risky into what the economy most needs right now. So what I believe is going on is that trying to deal with um, this issue that is nationalistic and punitive, whether it be intellectual property, our beefs with China, when, in fact, the trade issue itself is not nationalistic in terms of companies that trade with each other versus countries that trade with each other. That, to me, risks the compression of economic activity when our need is most uh, uh, concentrated around very productive and healthy economic growth. So if you want to be bullish on this market, you, you really do have to believe that we will succeed in enhancing productivity and generating business investment, that that, that that capital expenditure will drive a new leg of growth and innovation in the economy. I'm, I'm very sympathetic to the argument. I see it in the data. I believe the sentiment is there. I believe that that is 
the next direction, and it could be potentially very bullish for the economy. But I also believe that for uh, undefined risk and misunderstood rhetoric around trade deficits, we have the potential to really undermine it. And that's the risk we have to monitor. And maybe it isn't a legitimate risk. Maybe it's just skittish, premium, uh, uh, valuation uh, affecting, volatility creating kind of posturing. And maybe we just have to simply deal with a little more up and down movements in the market for a while. That Both things could be true, but that's uh, our perspective. Thank you for listening to Advice and Insights. We want to bring these type of topical things to you every week including interviews with our partners and and other investment minds and so forth and so on. A lot of fun things we want to do with this podcast. Would you please subscribe? Would you write us a review? Would you tell your friends? And would you keep listening to Advice and Insights? This is David Bonson saying goodbye. Thank you for listening to our Advice and Insights podcast with David L. Bonson. The Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there's no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced here will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance, and it's not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team in Hightower shall not be in any way liable for claims and make no express or implied representations or warranties as the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates.